Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Good evening. Good evening and welcome to the Coffee Clash. The Coffee Clash and Special Needs Talk Radio Network feature outstanding programming for the special needs community. Our team of hosts provide educational interviews. Our shows are not designed to provide listeners with specific or personal medical, legal, or professional service or advice. Parents of children with health issues should always consult their health care provider for medical advice, medications, or treatment. Any show discussing rights and law for special needs children and special education are presented as general information and not legal advice. Special Needs Coffee Clash Limited does not promote any hosts or guests' individual practice, programs, treatments, or products. We thank you for joining us and are proud to provide excellence in broadcasting for the special needs community. And now, on to the interview. Good evening, and welcome to the Coffee Clutch. My name is Angie Eaton, and I'm the host of the new series on synesthesia. But before I even get started, I have to clear my voice already. I have to apologize. I have a cold, and my voice is not at its best, so I apologize. Tonight, our guest is Marie Harris, and we're going to be talking to her about her new children's book, The Girl Who Heard Colors. This book explores a young girl's experience with synesthesia, and it has a beautiful message for young children to understand and celebrate their synesthesia. Marie Harris is a writer, teacher, editor, and businesswoman, and served as the New Hampshire Poet Laureate from 1999 to 2004. She has served as writer-in-residence at elementary and secondary schools throughout New England, and is the author of numerous poetry and children's books. Marie, thank you for joining us, and welcome. Thank you so much. It's a great pleasure. Great. Um, Marie, to start off, where did your interest in synesthesia begin, and are you a synesthete yourself? Well, I'll first say right off the top that I am not, or I don't identify myself as a synesthete, even though some people have told me that because I see my the months of my year on a kind of an arc that I'm on and that I travel on, that that is, in fact, a form of synesthesia. So it's kind of fun to think I might have just a brush with it, but I don't, <laughs> I don't um, identify myself that way. And as far as how I became interested in the subject, it really happened, like so many things happen in life, um, by accident. I was researching the life of... Um, America's first female composer, born in New Hampshire. Her name was Amy Beach. And that's another story altogether because this is a name that most people don't recognize today, and yet uh, in her day, in the uh, early part of the uh, 20th century, she was wildly famous. Well, I'm, I was reading all about her. Her archives are housed at the University of New Hampshire, which is right near me. 
and I discovered that she had synesthesia. Um, I had never heard the word before. I had, didn't even know uh, the concept. Um, her mother, Clara, um, found that Amy had this gift because when Amy was little and really almost pre-verbal, she would point, uh, she would point to the piano and she'd say to her mom, Mama, play the blue music or play the pink music. And at first her mother thought what Amy meant was the color of the sheet music on the piano, but what she meant was that every key um, presented her a color in her mind. It didn't remind mm-hmm. her of the color. It was the color. And I thought this was ex- you know, just extraordinary. Her mother, oddly enough, didn't make a fuss about that any more than she made a fuss about Amy having perfect pitch. <laughs> so it was mm. uh, something that was taken for granted in Amy's family. So that's how you you came on to the subject. Um, how did that translate into you then uh, recently writing this book, The Girl Who Heard Colors? Well, um, in my in the process of researching Amy's life and becoming incredibly enamored of of, of her, of her wonderful music, um, and of all sorts of exciting things about her life, I decided to write. Um, a novel for young readers in which Amy Beach would be a character. And I wrote about mm, 150 or so pages. I was lucky enough to find an agent, um, and he took the book and or took the, the first few chapters and began to show it to um, publishers. And in the course of time, he showed it to an editor at Penguin whose name is Nancy Paulson. And Nancy Paulson was just beginning her own imprint at Penguin Books. And he called me and said, Nancy, would like to talk to you. And I said, wonderful. So she called me up, and she allowed us how she wasn't that interested in the novel, but she was totally taken with the idea that Amy Beach had this gift of synesthesia and would I like to write a picture book um, about Amy and her synesthesia. And I hesitated a bit um, because I didn't want to boil Amy's whole life down into just that. Um, so I thought about it for a little bit, and I said to her, what about if I wrote a book about a little, just a little girl, a little contemporary girl with synesthesia? Um, and I had, by that time, met a few in my, in my work in schools. And so um, Nancy Paulson said that would be fine, and I wrote the book, and she um, thankfully accepted it, found a wonderful illustrator, and we were off and running. Well, so it's, it's delightful. It's just a charming charming book and beautiful illustrations which is pretty important with the subject matter to have good illustrations and of course it's full of color of course so um, it's it's a quick little picture book Um, can you kind of give us a synopsis of the story sure Um, I set it in anywhere USA and Vanessa the uh, Vanessa Brantley Newton, who's the illustrator, um, gave me a wonderful cast of characters um, of, of children of all uh, all stripes. And uh, the 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 story begins with um, Jillian, the little girl Jillian, just exclaiming about how much she loves her world. She loves it with all her five senses. And it goes on a little bit about how she experiences the world with her five senses. And then it says, and she also uh, loved the world with her special extra sense. And, and I tell about how uh, various sounds create various colors um, for her. And then she goes to school, and um, she's enjoying 
her school with all her five senses and her special extra one. And until one day when um, something happens that causes a noise, and um, when the teacher says, what's that, um, Jillian responds uh, with a color. And so the noise, she just says, that was, a, that was yellow. And um, her classmates begin to laugh at her, which causes her great distress, as you might imagine. And her teacher is a little worried, so she tells Amy, um, Jillian's parents, and her parents take her to the doctor, who can't find anything wrong with her. There's a wonderful illustration about the doctor looking in one of her ears and, and this riot of colors coming out the other ear, um, <laughs> which was Vanessa's, <laughs> Vanessa's uh, uh, brainstorm. And, um, and so he says there's nothing wrong with her, and so back she goes to school, and she's still feeling a little bit different and a little bit unhappy until one day a musician comes, a visiting musician comes to the school, and um, another event happens such that, a, that uh, Jillian speaks again about hearing too many colors, and um, he says, wait, wait, I, I have the same thing, and it's even got a name, it's called synesthesia. And everybody uh, is pleased and impressed that, that uh, Jillian has this, uh, uh, this wonderful gift and it has a wonderful long name and everyone uh, uh, celebrates it and that's the end of the story. <laughs> right. Well, I just just adore it um, for many reasons. It, I mean, it, it just seems to parallel the experience of many children from from what I've um, heard, what I've you know talked to people. It, it seems to be a very common experience that something will happen when the child is fairly young where they kind of, uh, you know, out themselves, blurt, where they say, yeah, they say, blurt out say something like, yeah, that, oh, that sound was yellow, and then everybody looks at them oddly. Um, mm -hmm. That seems to ring true for so many people. And then after that, um, uh, people tend to kind of go underground with it because they think, okay, this I better keep this to myself. Exactly. Um, so, exactly. yeah, that's why I, I love this story. And, and um, you know, the the message of the book is that it's not something you have to be ashamed of. There's nothing wrong with you. You don't have to go to the doctor. It's a wonderful <laughs> thing. It's maybe a little different, but it's it's great. You know, it can be celebrated. Yeah, and it's a very good point, you know, for you to say you don't have to go to the doctor because when people begin to talk about synesthesia and ask about it, they speak as though it were a medical condition or mm -hmm. a, uh, you know, some sort of a, a problem. And or a disorder, it, you know. Or a disorder, exactly. It can, be, it can present its, some problems for certain kids, which we could talk about, but, but basically it is really no different than having perfect pitch. It's a, it's a trait. It's, um, it's a gift. That words like that are much more accurate than trying to medicalize it into some sort of condition. Um, uh, but the kids don't talk about it because kids don't want to be different often. Right, and I have to tell you, even as a parent, I just had an experience last weekend when I spoke to somebody at a uh, lacrosse game on the sidelines, and mm -hmm. I mentioned something about it. And, I mean, I was getting the very odd look <laughs> from the other parent, ah. and suddenly I felt like, I think I want to go. Maybe I shouldn't have said anything because when you hear about it the first time, it it sounds out there. You know, it's very out there, and, and people have such a hard time relating right. to it. Right. Um, um, although it's far more common than we have um, previously thought. 
They're now saying one in 27 people has some form of synesthesia, whether it's that they see their letters and numbers in color, that they experience sound and color together, or sound and taste. It's a, it's a kind of wonderful mixing of the, of the senses that more people than we know have. As a matter of fact, when, when I finished uh, the book and I was in contact with Vanessa um, on again, off again about some of the pictures and this and that, and we, we got to the end of the book and she wrote me a note, an email, and she said, I just want to say that you have no idea how much this book has meant to me. And I went to myself, what's that mean? And I wrote her back and said, what do you mean? And she said, well, I've had synesthesia all my life, and I never knew it till I illustrated your book. Or I never knew what to call it. So oh, that's fantastic. Isn't that lovely? Oh, I just, uh, it's yeah. fantastic. And it really is the heart of sort of the other issue, is that uh, people who experience synesthesia, they don't think it's any different. Um, it's the way they've experienced their world, their whole life. Um, exactly. And, and it's, but I really do feel that people, once they kind of put a name to it, it somehow provides them with some sort of relief because I think inherently they know that not everybody experiences the world this way, I think, or you know, maybe there's been confusion in their life. Um, you know, in certain scenarios where, you know, like they say, oh, that sound was yellow. I mean, there's confusion. Like, why aren't you seeing what I'm seeing? Um, or a child, for instance, who sees their numbers in particular colors, and then the number is written in a different color, and, and the child sort of is saying, no, 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 seven should be green. Mm-hmm. You know, why, mm-hmm. why is the teacher writing it in red on the blackboard? So that, although most kids adjust to that, and they realize that the teacher has a different way of, Perceiving, they don't think of it that way, but they sort of realize they're not going to cri- they're not going to criticize every single number that's uh, not their own, you know, the color that they mm-hmm. see. But still, and the other thing, and this is something that Jillian experienced, is that there's a kind of sensory overload sometimes when children are particularly sensitive to um, sounds and colors and, and tastes and things like that. That if they're in a in an environment that's too busy, it becomes overwhelming because they're experiencing that environment so much more specifically uh, and with so many, you know, senses um, than most than most kids are. I think exactly, and that's we can talk about this a little more later, but uh, that's mm-hmm. part of the reason why I'm doing this series is I believe just being aware, um, you know, of yourself, if you experience synesthesia or if you're a parent or a caregiver or a teacher, if you are aware that this can be an issue, you can, um, you know, prevent sensory overload situations and um, just understand the behavior of a child that uh-huh. you, you know, might, it might look like misbehavior or, or exactly. something else. Um, yeah. Right. So yeah. um, I wanted to ask you, though, the other reason why I was so um, interested in speaking with you is that um, as a poet laureate um, and in other capacities, um, you have visited students in classrooms all over New Hampshire, probably in every school in the state and all over New England um, for, for many years. And um, you began at a certain point years ago uh, when you started writing this book asking kids when you visited their classroom, a very specific question. So you want to tell me about that? 
Well, it occurred to me that if I asked a question that was not loaded, it just was a question, and I usually preface it by saying to the kids, if you don't have an answer, don't even try to think of an answer. I'm just, I'm just asking, out of curiosity, what color is seven? And if I ask it that way, especially with younger kids, a hand will, or two will almost inevitably go up, and the child will say red or blue or whatever color seven is for her. And immediately I'll say, oh, really? Wow, what color is three? And she'll say, uh, kind of a light green. And I go, wow, and, and nine? And she'll say, a bluish brown. And I know immediately, not just because she has the answer, or an, an answer, but because she's so specific about the color. Um, it's, never, it's often never just red or green or yellow. There's, there's usually a, a modifier. And so, you know, I think to myself there, yes, that, that child has synesthesia. And sometimes I'll say, what about your letters? You know, do they have colors? And, and then I might say, have you ever told anybody? And usually they go, no. And just like, why would I? <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, uh, it, it, in, at that age, they're not embarrassed particularly. It's just that it doesn't occur to them to talk about it. Uh, at least that's my informal um, observation. As they get older, however, and they have in fact been teased clearly, I, um, I once was in a classroom where uh, one um, girl did say that she had synesthesia, and she described it very um, carefully. And, and, and uh, at the end of class, another girl came up to me and said, I have synesthesia too. And I said, uh, oh, wow, how come you didn't say anything? And she looked at me like I was the world's biggest idiot, and she said, I'm in sixth grade. <laughs> I, went, I went, oh, right. We want to fit in. We don't want to stand uh, out. Exactly. You know, oh. it, was, it was really cute because she just sort of like, you know, where have you been? How long has it been since you've been in sixth grade? <laughs> anyway, but... Well, so, um, so what are the reactions of the other kids? You know, because they're probably saying, what? What are you talking about? Well... You know, I've never seen reactions that are that are negative. Now, of course, I'm not with that child, for, you know, for the rest of the week or the rest of the month, and it may be that 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 admitting or talking about something like that co- could cause her or him um, to be made fun of or made to feel weird. But I make I make sort of a, a very um, positive response to it, and most of the most of the other kids are quite um, interested um, and want. To hear more, um, it, it, they seem they seem pleased that, that their that their classmate has this um, this extra um, trait or or, or mm-hmm. gift. Um, and how about the teachers? Are they surprised generally, or can yeah? Are they aware? Of, do they even know about synesthesia typically? Most no, most of them don't. Um, most, many of them, I mean, I get different responses from different teachers. The ones, of course, that I love best are when the teacher goes, oh, that explains it, or, oh, I'd like to learn more about that, or isn't that interesting, um, rather than the teacher just goes, huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but I'm not <laughs> Kind of like on the sidelines. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, um, when you get that look, I go, oh, okay, I'll stop talking. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> yeah. But it's nice to know that there there are some, at least some, books out there that I can p- 
point to if anybody's more interested, especially, you know, for older kids, there's more out there, like um, the, the, um, a mango-shaped space. Uh, I think her name is Wendy Moss, uh, who wrote that book, and it's for um, middle-grade readers, and it's about a little, a little girl. It's, it's a, a little girl who has synesthesia. It's not about that, but that's part of the story. And there are several others um, out there, but not many. So it's hard um, if teachers really would like to pursue it. It's hard to know how and where to go. Um, there is a listserv run by um, a man whose name is Sean Day. And if uh, people want to, to Google his name, his website and his listserv will come up. And from my point of view, it's been, especially as a, as a non-expert in the field, um, it's been a wonderful forum for me to learn what people, um, how people experience synesthesia because they speak about it, and then certain um, problems or questions that come up where the the community of synesthetes uh, will weigh in and and answer things and discuss things. So to me, that's the best uh, place of all to uh, to explore this matter further. Uh, absolutely. Um, uh, we had uh, Dr. Day on our first show and, and talked about oh, that a little bit. It's wonderful. And yeah. um, I also added, and I'll add now, that there's uh, a number of great Facebook groups, and people are very active um, on mm -hmm. that site. In fact, I just asked the group, are there any topics that you'd like me to talk about on the show? And they were all very excited to know that I was doing this. So there will be one more resource, happy Excellent. to say. Yes. Um, so, were there issues? Yes. Um, some of your Facebook uh, uh, friends, were there issues that came up, specific issues? Do you mean among the synesthesia group? Or right. Oh, sure. People will ask all sorts of questions. Um, yesterday somebody asked if, um, if you know, one form of synesthesia is when you personify objects. And one person said, does anybody personify things other than objects? like body parts, like your toes or your your feet or your nose. Um, you know, a lot of people responded yeah. to that. You know, just little things like that. And I think it's not only a good source of information, but it's, it's almost like a support group to say, oh, okay, I'm not exactly. really the only you know, person. So, oh, yeah. it's wonderful. Yeah, very reassuring, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Um, we have um, just about five minutes left. And, um, because you were the Poet Laureate of New Hampshire and a uh, published poet, I would be remiss if we didn't talk about this a little bit. There seems to be a natural connection between poetry and synesthesia because the metaphors are sort of built into the system with a synesthete. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's fascinating. Um, in fact, I just saw this great article. Or actually, it was a, uh, a radio interview. Um, I saw it on. Uh, I read about it on Twitter, and it was talking about um, <clears throat> the use of color uh, by Homer in the Iliad and the Odyssey. And they were oh, uh, talking about how he refers to the wine dark sea, mm -hmm. and there was a whole discussion about that and whether uh, you know. Back in that time, they viewed colors differently, or was this kind of a synesthetic thing? So there's a very interesting discussion about that. But um, you know, synesthesia and poetry, synesthesia and writing to me are just a, a match made in heaven. And I was wondering if you had any thoughts about that. 
Well, in in retrospect, I would absolutely agree with you. I I don't think I, in my writing life, have been specifically aware of that, but I have been very aware that the senses are integral to making metaphor. There's no way to, um, as far as I'm concerned, there's no way to express things in an interesting and original way without the use of the senses. Um, And so um, I would, even if one is not officially or, you know, a synesthete, um, mm-hmm. I do think that artists um, of all stripes, musicians and, and uh, painters and sculptors and dancers, um, have a, a very special relationship to the senses. And if synesthesia is a melding and combining of those senses, if that's um, an accurate, uh, one of, an, of, of a kind of accurate definition, um, then, then yes, the artist really makes use of that, I think, more or more consciously than um, people who are not artists. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I had tried to find this. I saw somewhere on the Internet. I, I couldn't find it once I went back to try and look at it again. But somebody had done this illustration, and it was sort of a hierarchy of the um, you know, who make the best poets? And it cracked me up because at the very top they had this great big section cut out for synesthetes. And I thought that was huh. really funny. If I find it oh, again, wonderful. I'm going I'm to send it to you, right? Um, yeah, that would be great. <laughs> yeah. yeah. A lot of people well, have tried in one way or the other to, to, to visualize or to make visual this, this uh, in describing synesthesia. It's a hard thing to do. Mm-hmm. But well, there's a lot of TV shows out there now. Um, there's the mm-hmm. new detective on HBO where Matthew McConaughey right. is now a synesthete, and um, yeah. yeah, there are attempts. Yeah, yep. but it's it's very personal and specific, and yeah, quite a challenge. Well, we are out of time. I just want to thank you again for uh, being my guest, and I would encourage people to look for your book, The Girl Who Heard Colors. Um, I know it's available on Amazon and I'm sure other sources. And where can people find out more information about um, you and your writing, Marie? Well, uh, the easiest place to start is my website, which is um, marieharris.com. And um, I'm always happy to um, answer um, emails through that website um, or even directly marie at marieharris.com. Um, but much of what I do and, and what I have done um, is on that website. Wonderful. Well, thank you again so much. And um, maybe really we'll see fun. some more Talk books in, our, in your future about it. I hope so. Thank you so much. Okay. Sure. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Over and by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.